Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. We are going to read out loud today Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. And as you're opening your Bible, I want to remind you, this is Advent season. How many of you guys grew up celebrating Advent? How many of you guys grew up with an Advent calendar? Yes. I did not. I don't know why, but growing up as a Pentecostal, we didn't even use the term Advent. It was just Christmas. But, you know, as a pastor, I've learned a little bit more about Advent. And one of the really cool things that we do here at Legacy through Advent is we actually join with all of the Orthodox Christians around the world that open up the Sunday lectionary and read the exact same stories every single Sunday to hit on one of the four themes of Advent. So the four themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, Pastor Andrew asked me, can I please talk about hope? Hope is supposed to be the first week, but I traded with them, so I'm doing peace today. We want to be good hosts, right? Now, when you read this verse of scripture, you may have listened to it when they read it, but when you read this now, you're probably going to wonder how in the world is he going to extract peace from this passage? Well, I'm going to need your help, all right? We're going to preach this one together. You with me? Y'all ready to read it? All right, verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, I want you to understand something here. We're getting the opportunity to watch as John the Baptist preaches an Advent sermon. He is announcing an arrival, which is what Advent means. And in that announcement, he is declaring to us, Advent is here and Jesus has arrived. And that is why the title of the message today, church, is Peace is a person, all right? Peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person. Peace is not a feeling or a circumstance. 
Peace is a person. Y'all help me preach it. And his name is? Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask today that you would anoint us with a spirit of transformation, revelation, and wisdom in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We welcome the advent of the Messiah. Come in, Lord Jesus, and do what you want to do in us today. And I pray by the time that we leave, all of us would receive an upgrade in our definitions and experiences of what peace is from your perspective. We receive peace as we get started today. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. On your way to your seat, ask your neighbor, do you have peace? Do you have peace? If you don't have it, uh, some of us may not have it because we just spent a lot of time with our family over Thanksgiving. And hopefully your Thanksgiving was not that dramatic, but... If it was, I have good news for you today. Peace is in the room. And peace is a person. And his name is? Jesus. Y'all got it. Amazing. Well, when you look at this whole passage of scripture, like I said, sometimes it's a little challenging as a preacher, as a student of the Bible, uh, to look at the reading and say, okay, how am I going to get that Advent theme of peace out of this passage? Was anybody else thinking that when we read it? Just me. Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm like, how are we going to get peace out of this? But here's what I recognize. That John the Baptist, from the start, verse 1, we read that he is announcing, he is preaching, and he is prophesying about a forthcoming kingdom. Everybody say government. Because that's what he's announcing. As a prophet, John the Baptist in those days came preaching and announcing that we should repent so that we can see and experience the kingdom of God. And that kingdom church that John is preaching about is a kingdom of, our Advent theme, peace. God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace. When we receive the kingdom of Jesus through the advent, we receive the opportunity to experience peace with God, with others, and with ourselves as a result of what Jesus accomplished for us through the cross. Isn't that the good news? That is the gospel. I'm excited about the fact that we can step into a kingdom which governmentally the reign is a reign of peace. That's amazing. So let's look at how peace just jumps out from this text. As I said, John is saying, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Paul writes later in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Y'all know this one. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. Y'all help me and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God, what is God doing here? He, he is, he's describing what his kingdom is like. He's describing what it looks like, what our experience shall be as we are a part of his kingdom. He's saying, this is what my kingdom is like. It is righteousness, it is joy, and it is peace. Peace, this is what the advent came to bring us. And of course, I had to pull out one of the Christmas classics, throw it back all the way to Isaiah chapter nine. For to us, a child is born, 
to us a son is given and the government, what's the government? The kingdom, right? That's what John the Baptist is announcing. The kingdom shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his kingdom and of peace, there will be no end. That means there is no circumstances that the world could experience that could ever squash out God's rule and reign of peace. That is what the advent came to bring us was a a kingdom of peace. And this is what Messiah accomplishes. So in those days, we have John the Baptist, an oddly dressed prophet who is making this announcement, preaching an advent message. And he is saying, I want all of you to repent, which means change how you think, because an advent has happened and a new kingdom is here. And this kingdom is a kingdom of peace. So what is peace? Because peace sounds amazing. I don't know about you guys, but I use that word pretty often, especially when I jump off the phone with somebody. All right, bro, peace, right? We see it all the time on social media. Deuces, peace, I'm out, peace to you, right? So I did, you know, what I often do when it's time to study a particular term. I go to Google and I say, Google, what is peace? Hey, Google, hey, Alexa, what is peace, right? And then I get, Google uses the Oxford Dictionary, but one of the reasons why I love to use Google is because I'm interested in how culture defines a term. Because oftentimes the way culture defines a term and the way the Bible defines a term is completely different. So it gives me as a Christian the opportunity to choose God's way over the world's way. And so I Google, oh, what is peace? And here's what I learned, what peace is uh, from Google's definition. It says, peace is freedom from disturbance. I read that and I thought, hallelujah. I could use some of that. I got three kids. Peace is freedom from disturbance. That's right. I'd like to be left alone every now and then. Can I get two good amens, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah, see, it's a new dad. Give me a big round of applause. Yeah. Peace is freedom from disturbance, and it is also tranquility. Now, I'm pretty sure I've been to a day spa called tranquility before. Everybody has, if you've ever gotten a massage. It's like, oh, that's amazing. I want a hot rock massage. This sounds incredible. I'm, I'm vibing with Google's definition of what peace is. I mean, I'm ready to like, you know, sit and meditate underneath a waterfall. Like this sounds incredible. I want some of that peace. Anybody else in here? So culture says peace is tranquility. Uh, culture says uh, peace is good vibes. Positive vibes only, bruh, you know? Like that's what peace is to our culture, right? It's like, I want some tranquility. I want those, I want those good vibes. I don't want no drama. I, want, I tell my friends all the time, I'm allergic to drama. I don't like it. I back away from it. Anybody else in here, right? It's like peace. I don't want no drama. I'm in my chill zone. I want to be left alone. I'm trying to chillax. I'm trying to lay back. I'm trying to have myself a day. Why don't you leave me alone? I'm trying to get some peace. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because that's how culture looks at peace. But if that is exactly what Jesus's advent came to bring us, why is it so often that that is not our day-to-day experience? 
Why is that the case? If that's what Advent came to bring you and I, why don't we have that experience more often? Well, I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Number one is because culture and us, I would include us in this, okay? We are not doing what John told us to do. Repent. That's why we're not experiencing the peace of the Advent is because we've not done what God says is a prerequisite to receiving what the Advent comes to bring us. Repent. This precedes receiving Jesus' Advent. Advent is repentance. That's why we're not experiencing more peace. And the second reason why we don't experience more peace is because I think we're looking at it from the wrong vantage point, meaning the only definition that we utilize when we think about peace is what culture says peace is. And I want you to know, church, that culture's definition of peace is watered down, it's insufficient, and it's not at all as rich, as deep, and as soul-satisfying as God's definition of peace. So we're going to get the opportunity to have the peace that God brings to us today. I think if we're all honest in here, we would all testify to the fact that culture's version of peace is not enough. Positive vibes only is not enough. Being left alone is not enough. A tranquility day spa, it's just not enough. As much as I enjoy those things, it's not enough because I need something that reaches my soul. I need something that goes beyond my season of life. I need something that goes beyond my circumstance. I need something that is present with me when I go to bed at night, I lay my head on the pillow, close my eyes, and I have an experience that goes well beyond anything I could achieve by a lack of disturbance in my life. You with me? And so I I really think that it's important that we acknowledge this because if we're honest, we all need something much more than to be left alone so that we can all pursue our own versions of personal bliss. That's not peace. Our own version of personal bliss is not not peace. Uh, That may make for an enjoyable yoga session, but it certainly will not suffice if we are to have an anchored life. It's just not enough. We cannot allow culture to force feed us junk food in the form of their own definitions of terms like peace. We, we, we need something greater. We need God's definition and we need to be discerning just like John the Baptist. We need to be prophetic church because one of the things that's important we acknowledge as we study peace is that peace in America has become a big business. Peace has become monetized. Peace has become commercialized. Peace, you know, has become incentivized. Like, hey, we want to get you as relaxed, as chill, mellow, you know, get some peace, man. It's hard, you know, living in the world. We want you to have some peace. Well, yeah, I I want some peace, but I need something greater than what you have to offer me. I need what the advent has to bring me. You with me? So in a world where the ultimate sin is to tell somebody you're wrong. We have truly been sold a lie that says true peace is to be protected from any and all agitators by becoming isolated and entertained until we forget that we don't actually have any real peace at all. The best the world has to offer us, the best expression of peace the world has to offer us is temporary relief from soulish discomfort through the form of detachment and entertainment. Does that make sense? 
Let's just get you by yourself, get you isolated, get you entertained, and then you can forget about the fact that you don't actually have peace. But if we're honest, all human beings are born in the same condition. Without Christ Jesus, we are sad in our souls. We are miserable in our hearts. We, we need the advent. We need the peace that Jesus has to bring us. We need something more. Truly, humanity's heart aches for something greater. I don't know about you, but this is exactly where I was wow. before, I, before I found Jesus. I, I was um, telling the second service about this. Every now and then I will, um, you know, sit on my porch, you know, have a little, little peace, a little hang time, a little me time. You know what I'm saying? If you got a lot of kids, you know what I'm talking about. You, you look for those moments. And, and I looked on YouTube and I noticed there was a guy on there that was, um, it was, Joe Rogan pops up a lot. I don't know if you guys know who Joe Rogan is, but he has the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah. You guys know that? Yeah. Okay, you know about that? And so the guy, it caught my eye because the guy said, I did drugs and I believed in God. And I was like, ooh, fascinating. Let's see what happened. This guy may have had an encounter or something. And, you know, he's talking about, uh, he's talking about doing these drugs. He's, he's talking about, uh, you know, these experiences that he had. And then he talked about how he used to be an atheist and how he found God and now he was a believer. And I was like, okay. Like, I, I would not suggest that path for anybody truly seeking God, but I know God might use it and may very well introduce himself through something crazy. You know, I've heard of crazier stories. But as the guy began to talk about his experience and his, his belief in God, you know what I noticed was missing? Peace. He was talking about, yeah, I believe in God, but it's like a detached belief. It's not personal. It's not relational. It's not embodied. It's not personified. I don't feel peace. It's just that I believe it. And so I started praying for him. I'm like, Lord, you meet him. I mean, it's a bad idea, but if he ever chooses to do that again, God, interrupt that experience and introduce yourself to him. Then I started praying over Joe. I'm like, Joe's like John the Baptist. He has a huge platform. He dresses weird. He talks weird. He's not always understood, but he could be a prophetic voice to the nations. Encounter him, Lord. Bring him peace. So I'm like, drugs are not going to bring you peace. They bring you temporary relief from discomfort. They allow you to detach, but peace, church, is not detachment. True peace is connection. You have to understand that the best the world has to offer is to say, isolate yourself, detach, get some me time, get alone. But whenever I say peace is a person, this is what I mean. True peace is not isolation. True peace is actually connection. Until you connect with the person who is Jesus, you are never going to experience true peace at the depths of your personhood. The only thing that you can manage in your own strength is temporary detachment from discomfort. And that's why we must cling to the person of peace whose name is Jesus. Now, if you want to look further into what peace actually is, let's first go to the Old Testament. So God's people in the Old Testament, we know uh, they're, they're the Jewish people. And peace is something to the Jewish people that is absolutely irreplaceable in their lives. They know in order to suffice going forward in life, they are completely dependent upon God's grace and his peace. This is why if you meet a Jewish person, one of the first things they're going to greet you with is shalom. I almost titled this message, Shalom in the Home. I just thought it would be like a good holiday-themed sermon title. But I went with peace as a person. You know, a few years ago, I went to Brooklyn, and I accidentally booked a hotel in the Jewish quarter. had no idea. And I was walking around. My beard was a bit longer, and everybody thought I was Jewish. Shalom. 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 I'm like, this is pretty cool. 
I'm like, I bless you with peace. Shalom. Shalom. Okay. Yeah, I got shalom. Because not only is it a greeting, it's also a farewell, right? Because they recognize peace is, peace is an irreplaceable component to living a satisfying life. We need peace. Now, if you look in the Old Testament at the word shalom, you'll recognize that it means three things primarily. Number one, it means welfare. So when someone says shalom, they're saying, be blessed with good welfare. The second thing that it means is prosperity. Be blessed with prosperity. Be blessed with God's prosperity. The third thing that it means is wholeness. Be made whole by the peace of God. Have wholeness in your heart because you have peace. Now, how many of you guys could use some of those things? I could use some of those. I could use welfare. I could use prosperity. I could use wholeness. Amen. That's amazing. And so when we look at the Old Testament definition, we're like, that's awesome. I want that. But what's great about the New Testament or the New Covenant, which we are a part of as disciples of Jesus Christ, is that we have the privilege of not just receiving the attributes of God's peace. We have the privilege of receiving the actual person of God's peace, whose name is Jesus. And so we get everything that Shalom has to offer through Jesus, but we get more because we get connection because we get relationship, because we get intimacy, because we get fellowship, because we have the opportunity because of Advent to actually know who peace is. By Jesus coming, peace becomes personified and we're no longer reaching for these attributes of what we believe peace feels like in our life. We're actually embracing the person of peace and bringing him near. And because we have access to Jesus church, we always have access to peace. We always have access to peace, regardless of your circumstance. It doesn't matter what you're going through this morning. It doesn't matter what storm you're trying to make it through this morning. It does not matter what is happening in your family life, in your marriage, on your job. It doesn't matter. Because you have access to Jesus, you have access to peace. Because peace is a person, church. Peace is a person. So this is what, you know, this is what John is preaching. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's announcing God's kingdom is a peaceful kingdom, but also God's kingdom is a relational kingdom. Meaning the forthcoming advent, Jesus coming, means that I can now have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the only way a human being will ever truly experience actual peace is through that relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is the peace. Without a true relationship with Jesus, we can never experience true peace. Therefore, peace, church, is not being left alone. Peace is being in relationship with Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. So let's summarize it. What is the biblical definition of peace? Peace is an experiential state of harmony available to all believers through having a right relationship with God and others and is especially associated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. How many times have you been in the presence of God and the byproduct is, I feel peace. You know what that is? You are in the presence of an actual person. You you ever hang out with, uh, I have some friends who are big visionaries. I'm a big visionary too, but I have some friends who are really big visionaries. And when I hang out with them, you know what happens? I get inspired. And I'm like, oh, I want to build something bigger and greater and faster and stronger. This is amazing. you You know what I'm talking about? Like you hang out with a friend, maybe they're 
you know, maybe they carry some other attribute and then all of a sudden it starts, you start to carry it. It's the same thing with peace. The more you hang out with Jesus, the more peace that you walk in. And so actually, I think a lack of peace is actually a signal of an intimacy deficiency. Like if you feel torn up on the inside, it's not a signal that you need some me time. It's a signal that you need some Jesus time. I need to go sit with God. It's not that you need to be alone. It's that you need to spend alone time in prayer. You with me, church? That's what we need because that's what brings about the peace. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. If, If we have access to Jesus, we have access to peace. If you want peace, you don't need less drama. You want more Jesus. If you need peace, you don't need to be alone. You need to spend time alone with Jesus in prayer. If you're desperate for peace, you don't need a watered-down, commercialized version of positive vibes only. What you need is a divine advent of unfiltered intimacy with Jesus Christ. Peace is a person. And it's so important we understand this, that we recognize this, which is why whenever John the Baptist is out in the wilderness in his camel-haired swimming trunks, you know, he is, he's announcing to everybody, repent. What does repentance mean? Repentance means change the way that you think intentionally by turning away from wickedness and sinfulness and turning towards righteousness and holiness. You stop doing things your way and you start doing things God's way. I think we have this understanding of repentance that it's like a magic trick. So like we're in church, we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're like, I repent. And it's almost like I've been absolved of my sins. Now I can go back to doing whatever I want to because I just repented fresh. So I'm good now. That's not what repentance means, all right? It does, you know, we do want to, you know, we do want to confess sin and we do want to repent, but it's, it's, it's being sorrowful in our hearts to say, I am repenting, therefore I am actively and intentionally turning, turning away from what I used to do, which is sin, and turning toward what God wants me to do, which is righteousness. So, so repentance, church, is, is not just saying, I repent and I'm good. It's actually making an intentional decision to live life differently. We need an upgrade of our understanding of what repentance is because when I talk about repentance, it's like I can watch as people respond and like, why why are you talking about repentance? I am saved. I have already repented. Well, that's amazing. But um, if you don't have peace, you haven't repented enough. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I I know that is sort of a little, uh, you know, triggering thing to say, but I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, most people have repented enough to get into the kingdom. They've not repented enough to see the kingdom. And one of the things we have to understand about repentance is repentance is an ongoing thing, just like sanctification. It's not a one-time act, you know, meaning I repented, I got in, I'm good. No, we repent any time that God wants to change the way that we think about any particular thing. That's what repentance is. Anytime the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, I want to upgrade how you think about that thing, then repentance is required to change the way that you think. Um, Paul talks about it in uh, Romans chapter 12. Be renewed by the transformation of your mind, right? This is where God does the work first. If you want to see a transformation in your lifestyle, you're first going to need to be renewed in your 
and your mind, right? And that all starts with repentance. What you're doing is you're saying, I have thought this way perhaps since childhood. Maybe the ideas that you have about peace were put in you by your parents. And maybe they were good, they just weren't God's. Maybe your ideas of peace were put in you by your teachers. Maybe they are good, but maybe they're not God's. And so when we don't have God's thought, God's perspective, God's vantage point on any particular topic, the first thing that he does is he introduces to us truth and he says, okay, now it's time to repent because you've been thinking about this incorrectly and I wanna teach you how to think about this righteously. Are you with me? And so whenever that happens, it's time to repent. You you ever heard that, um, uh, you ever heard that statement, truth will set you free, but it'll uh, tick you off first? Is that not your experience? Because that's my experience. Every single time that I get introduced with God's truth, I'm like, no. But on the inside, I'm like, yes. No. All the while knowing I'm going to repent. No, no. You know, it's like, you're like screaming at God in prayer. You're like, why? This is not fair. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, but in your heart, you're like, God's right but you just don't want to give up the fight very easily. I'm going to do it my way, God. He's like, you know how many people have said that to me over the last several thousand years? Repent, because there's an advent and he is here and peace is available. And so long as you go on thinking the way that you think is best for you to think, you're not going to be upgraded in the opportunity to experience what I have for you, which I paid for on the cross as part of your rightful inheritance. Do you want to go on in this way or do you want to repent? Because, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It's very close. Sometimes I think the reason why we don't repent is because we believe the lie that we're so far away from where God wants us to be. And maybe you are big wrong, but you know what? Praise God for his grace. He's big present. He's like, yeah, you did wander, but you know what? I followed you every step of the way and I'm right here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You thought you were so far, but because of what I accomplished on the cross, I am so near. You get it? You see it? And he's like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. It's, you think it's going to be so hard because it's going to require so much of your own works. But the truth is the only works that God requires is the work of the cross. And so if we will repent, that nearness that God has made available through Advent will crash into our worlds and we'll get an upgrade on everything we thought peace could ever possibly be. We'll go from peace is tranquility in a day spa to peace is is something that is settled in my spirit that surpasses all understanding. And it doesn't matter the assignment that hell comes against me with, I will overcome because I am anchored in God's truth and I have peace despite my circumstances. This is what is available to us because of the admin. How many of you guys could use that peace? I want to upgrade in peace today, amen? Who wants an upgrade in their peace? (laughs) Every hand in the room should be, yes, please. I would like an upgrade. I would like an upgrade in my peace. All right, let me tell you how to get it. Repent. (laughs) repent that's how you get it all right so why would I need to repent so that I can receive an upgrade in my peace well the reason that we need to repent is because we as human beings we look for peace in all the wrong places am I lying 
we go through some drama. You know, we, we have a little situation. And how many times have you done this? You're like, oh man, this is tough. I'm gonna call my best friend. Hey, what's your opinion? So I'm the only person that does that. Man, I'm going through a hard time. I'm gonna need a little, little time to myself. I think I'm gonna binge watch a Netflix show. There's a lot of righteous people over here, so I'm gonna try to preach to you guys over here. Man, I'm going through something, man. Nobody knows what I'm going through, so I think, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go get a whole bucket of fried chicken from KFC. I mean, maybe that ain't your jam. I'm going to hit burger up. I'm going to go to In-N-Out. I'm going to get a four by four. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get extra fries, animal style. I'm going to do the whole nine, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. Thinking there is somehow, some way, God has taken them original hand-cut French fries and dipped them in peace. They taste delicious, sweetheart, but they're not going to bring the peace that your soul is actually needing. That's wonderful. And that would be a healthier way than, than some of the ways that we look for peace. Some of the way we look for peace is, let me pop this, this pill bottle right here. You know, let me, let, me, let me get high. Maybe I can get peace. Maybe let me get drunk. Maybe I can get peace. Listen, these are all of the solutions that the world has to offer us. All it is, is temporary detachment for the purpose of momentary entertainment so that you can forget about the peace that you don't actually have. It's pseudo peace. It's pseudo peace. And I, I am willing to say it is spirituality, but it is not holy spirituality. We need something deeper. You need something deeper? Yeah. Well, we need to repent of looking for peace in all the wrong places. Yes. Where, where, where do human beings look for peace? I can tell you. If, if, at the end of the day, we can boil it down to two things. We wrongly look for peace in number one, people. And we wrongly look for peace in number two, possessions. Now, when I say people, let's start with our parents. Well, I would have peace if my dad would have been nicer to me. Well, thank God that the advent has happened and Jesus has introduced himself. Hi, my name is Everlasting Father. And if I have access to the Everlasting Father, then I have access to all of the healing that I need as a result of what my natural dad did to me. So I can have peace because advent has happened. Well, I would I would have peace, pastor, but you don't understand. I don't have a boyfriend. Oh, okay. Now I have to go back to this side. Um, all the married people chose to sit over here today. I would have peace, but I don't have a wife. You ever been there before? I've been there before. Listen, I remember I, as a missionary and a traveling itinerant minister, I would bow my knee before I go on trips. I'd be like, Lord, I ain't gonna be able to do this much longer. I'm tired of traveling by myself. I ain't got no peace. Lord, I'll take one for the team. Even if I'm not attracted to her, Lord, even if she's effective for your kingdom. I just can't do this much longer, God. This is a real prayer. I really prayed that once. And the Lord was like, I'm gonna have to forgive your ignorance. And you know what? He upgraded me and gave me my bride, obviously. You don't know what you don't know. You need to repent, son. You need to repent. 
But I remember, I, pr- I prayed that because as a single person, if, you, if it's been a long time since you were single in here, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You just, you just caught up in the bliss that is marriage. But if you are actively single right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Lord, I ain't got no kind of peace. Peace is a person, but it, it's, it's not, it's not boo thing. It's Jesus. And if you think it's going to happen after you get married, I hate to tell you, it's still going to be Jesus. And it ain't going to be your wifey and it ain't going to be your husband. It's still going to be Jesus. Well, I would have peace, but I don't have no kids. There's never been a greater misappropriation of what you expect peace from than having some children of your own. Because at 4 a.m. in the morning, you start getting weird thoughts. I'm going to throw this baby out the window. I need some peace. I remember once it was like 2.30 in the morning and I was like, I'm about to hold this kid under a shower of cold water and snap him out of this. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and he is the teacher and the helper and he helps us in all of our weaknesses. I need some peace. You ever been in this place before? I ain't got no peace and God ain't giving me no peace so I'm gonna go ahead and take my peace. I'm going to go have me a one-night stand. I'm going to swipe right. Or left or whatever you do. I got married before those apps came out. (laughs) I don't know nothing about them. Praise God. And I've married a lot of people who met on Christian dating sites, so I ain't got nothing against it either, by the way. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to look for peace. I'm going to look for peace. I'm going to look for peace. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to have, I'm going to have, I'm going to turn up. Because I'm going to get me some peace. No, you're going to get momentary detachment from discomfort. And you're going to settle for a little, uh, you know, a little, um, I, I, don't, I don't even want to use the word. It's stimulation. That's the right word. I was, was going to use another one. I didn't like, the, I didn't like the, what popped into my head. So I said, uh, stimulation. That, that's good. That's good. Sometimes the third service, you start getting words that are not appropriate. So they don't come through quite as clear. <laughs> Secondly, possessions. And, 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 and this is something that I think we can all identify, but it goes beyond what we think. You know, obviously at the top, oh, money. Once I, once I have a certain uh, net worth, oh, I'm gonna have peace. Do you know how many people are very wealthy in this world that commit suicide, uh, they get divorced, they have no relationship with their children. They're miserable on the inside. I mean, bless God, they got a yacht, but they don't have any peace. They have no peace. That is true. That happens all of the time. And there are many studies that you can Google and learn that. Also, fame or popularity. Well, if I had this many subscribers on my YouTube or I had this many followers on my Instagram or I had this many likes on my TikTok, then I would finally achieve the inner state of bliss. That is also a lie because it doesn't matter how much popularity you have, peace is a person, it is not a blue check, which apparently you can pay for now on Twitter for $8 a month. Uh, Also houses, right? Houses, houses are not gonna bring you peace. They're not gonna bring you peace. When I was a missionary in India, all right, I told you guys a testimony last week. I live in my dream house currently. I live in my dream house. I live in my dream house. Praise God. If you miss the testimony, I pay a dollar a month to live there right now because God has blessed us because it's, it's just an amazing situation. I, I won't soon, but right now I do. Uh, I'm gonna say, it's my dream house. I love it. I, when I was in India, 
I lived in a concrete box. It was, it was 12 foot by 12 foot, a concrete box, concrete ceiling, concrete walls, concrete floor. I went and bought a $20 mattress from the market that was wrapped in plastic because you don't want to take the plastic off because it gets bed bugs. And I slept on a plastic wrapped mattress in a concrete box. I finally went, eventually I sprung for a ceiling fan, but unfortunately the village I lived in only had electricity for four hours a day. So it rarely worked whenever it was time for me to go to sleep. And can I tell you, I had as much peace then as I have now, despite the difference in my housing situation. I want you guys to know that. I have as much peace now as I did then. I mean it, I really mean it because it doesn't matter. You only think it matters until you get it. Right? And then what does the enemy do? Creates a new thing, a new carrot for you to get preoccupied with and obsessed long enough for so that you're distracted from the person that is peace to think that you're able to achieve peace as a result of where you live or how much money you make or how many possessions you have. And this goes for houses, cars. Listen, I told you guys a testimony last week. I started a a luxury car rental business through Turo. I'm an entrepreneur on the side, all right? And I bought my dream car. I bought my dream car. And man, when I remember the first time I got in there, I was like, "Woo! I'm walking in the fog. Favor of God. Yay! You know, and like next week, I'm like, it's just a car, man. This ain't going to bring me no peace. This is just a vehicle. It's it's a little comfortable, you know, but it's just a vehicle. It's not going to bring you any peace. It won't. It happens for about four hours, right. once. Also travel. I would have peace if I could travel all over the world. There ain't no place like heaven. There's a place I wanna go visit in Bali, Indonesia called the Ubud Hanging Gardens. Looks like Avatar. And I would like to go on vacation there. But you know what? I can experience something better than Ubud right now in the presence of Jesus because there's more peace in the presence of God than there is any other vacation location. Comforts, food, restaurants, accumulation of things, all of these things, right? Look, I can acknowledge that if you achieve the American dream, if you achieve the American dream, there is a lot of good things that will come of that. But you know one thing that's not embedded in the American dream? Peace. Because peace cannot be achieved. Peace can only be received. Peace cannot be manufactured. Peace is an impartation. You can't stir it up. You can't create it. It doesn't matter what you, what, you, what you get in this life through people and through possessions. Peace is impossible to be achieved. It can only be received. And one of the things I'll say about the American dream, you know, in order to have a dream, you got to be sleeping. In order to have a dream, you got to be sleeping. And so all I'm saying is, if you get the American dream, that's wonderful. But if you got to be spiritually asleep the entire time that you're pursuing it, then you may, be tempor- you may be distracted from your purpose. And that is not what God has for us. What God has for us is true peace. And here's what true peace is. True peace is knowing these four things. And we're going to pray. I am right with God. I need not fear condemnation. God will supply all my needs and peace is my portion forever. Forever, peace is my portion. That's what true peace is. And if we need that, we must repent. 
And we need to repent, church. You know why we need to repent? We need to repent so we can experience true peace, number one. But one of the other reasons we need to repent is because we are now the voice crying aloud in the wilderness. We are now those that are peculiar people, as the apostle Peter says, right? John was a peculiar person. He had a crazy diet and a crazy wardrobe. If you really think through what we do as Christians, we're weird. You ever thought through that? We do weird stuff. We say weird stuff. We believe weird stuff. We believe that a donkey preached. You ever thought about that? To the world, that's crazy. To the world, it's ludicrous, the stuff that we believe. We are now the voice crying in the wilderness, wearing the weird wardrobe, eating the crazy locust honey. But we know where peace comes from, and it comes from the advent of King Jesus. We know the person of peace, and so our job, church, is to now announce it to the world and announce it to those who see us and think, I don't know why I'm attracted to being around you. You're actually weird, but I've got to come out to the wilderness because I'm intrigued by what it is you carry. The world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. How do you have peace? You're the voice crying in the wilderness. Because what we carry is something that every human heart craves. And that is the peace that only Jesus can bring. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.